On today's Recur Now, a bit about D2C. First, with Casper haunting the direct-to-consumer space after its IPO. Then, with Smile Direct Club's new expansion. And finally, knitters expand their craft with subscription. All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it is Thursday, January 16th. I'm Abby Sullivan. I'm James Herrick. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. First up, your daily subscription digest. Casper may be a friendly ghost, but it's also the leading player in what it calls the sleep economy. And this mattress mogul's recent IPO is supposedly losing some friends, but has apparently taught a lot of people a lot of things. First off, we want to give the company credit for what it's accomplished with scale and brand awareness in less than six years. With that being said, there's a lot to not like as Casper is unprofitable and considerably questionable with unit economics. Here's a few lessons, both positive and negative, that we're eyeing from an article by Medium. Starting on a positive note, like I said, Casper doesn't consider itself just a mattress company, but instead the leading player in the sleep economy, which involves market expansion into surprising categories categories like medical devices and services like sleep programming and counseling. Number two, although we've touched on the retail apocalypse in length, physical stores seem to be working for Casper and they plan to triple down on brick and mortar retail over the next few years. However, true cash on cash payback is still unclear. But on the side of struggle, Casper is still first purchase profitable, but its lifetime value and customer acquisition cost look fairly weak. And as we know for SaaS, LTV to CAC ratio is your lifeblood for sustainability and growth, and D2C products mustn't stray far. And finally, although Casper now sells through other retailers, D2C continues to dominate revenue. This has positive implications for Casper's brand, but may limit revenue expansion via partnerships. As Justine and Olivia Moore at Medium point out, we have our eyes on the public market's reaction to this IPO, but we aren't expecting it to and haven't seen it lean positively. Will these brands make the case that they deserve to trade at a higher multiple than traditional retail companies? And how will trends of later stage D2C brands trickle down to early stage brands raising VC rounds? As always, we have a ton of resources on CAC, LTV, and expansion revenue for the SaaS and subscription space. We will link to a list of those in your subscriber newsletter. Now, Abby on Mouth Health. If you know me at all, you know I'm a fiend for dental hygiene. So this next story I couldn't help but highlight. Smile Direct Club, the company that offers popular teeth straightening aligners, has seen a 15% spike in its stock as the club decides to sell gear straight to orthodontists and dentists, not just direct to your door. This is a smart move for their crew in expanding its market and upping opportunity for revenue. It actually makes us wonder why they didn't do it sooner. Smile Direct Club, which went public in September, will now become a direct competitor to Invisalign, who had largely cornered the market of selling removable aligners to patients through dentists and orthodontists. Invisalign has not sold as a D2C product, so this could be a one-up move for Smile Direct Club. We'll for sure keep an eye out on this one because, as I always say, mouth health is the segue to whole health. And finally, the subscription club continues to heat up with an unexpected member, Knitters. Back during its origination in November 2014, knitting company Post-Stitch sought to recreate the feel of a yarn store where someone assists a knitter in selecting a project and guides them with the right needle size and tools. Today, the company operates on a recurring subscription model available at three tiers to cater to varying budgets and knitting styles. Post-Stitch founders got into the space when subscription was, quote, kind of booming, but now we know it's in full swing. And Clearly, there's no industry that's an exception to this. We have an episode of our show, Pricing Page Teardown, on subscription knitting versus quilting. Stick around if you want to peek inside that. 
And that's a wrap on your January 16th subscription news. Up next, a knitting quilting showdown. Now, what's kind of fascinating about this is we went out to knitters and quilters. We had them identify themselves by their particular craft that they wanted to go after. And then we presented them with essentially a faux quilting of the month club, a faux knitting of the month club. And what we found is that basically between 18 and 34, the willingness to pay hovers right around $20 per month. Now, I don't think this is a great box of the month price, particularly because there's costs here. We're not talking about software. But which is kind of fascinating is this, particularly on the quilting side and a little bit on the knitting side, pattern or something that can be delivered electronically. It's not something that you actually have a physical oh, okay. good. So there's a world here where maybe you're not including as much physical good and you're offering up like a pattern of the month club, which is something that's very common amongst quilt shops. And there's certainly folks who are willing to pay much more. So maybe you just won't have as many folks in this particular category. Now, what's also super interesting is that when you get over this 35 range, all of a sudden our willingness to pay really goes up. And we're over 55, a lot of folks in that region, if they're quilters or they're knitters, they've kind of chosen their craft as their hobby. Now, when we break things down here, this is where things get a bit interesting, similar to something like software. And what you're looking at here is we looked at a knitting box of the month club on the left here. And we looked at a quilting box of the month here on the right. Wow. And what you'll notice is that based on frequency, the willingness to pay increases pretty substantially. The quilters are willing to pay more, but it's obviously, it seems like a, it's a bigger cost given the machinery that goes into this, yeah. the materials. But I'd say quilting. Yeah, I think I'd go into the quilting industry strictly because there's a bit of a resurgence happening. There's a lot in like Brooklyn and like even in Boston here, there's there's fabric shops that are really getting like younger folks, mostly women, basically coming in and like learning like how to quilt, mainly because it's like an interesting craft that's like a little old school, which is like all the rage amongst like our generation. But it's also a little bit bespoke in what you can create. Whereas knitting, it's kind of like, well, anyone can just pick up, you know, your knitting needles and like go to town. Quilting, it takes a little bit of effort. And finally, a teaser for Trade-Offs, a show all about the trade-offs that big businesses like Casper and Invisalign are making and the effects they have on their success. So what about Trade-Offs? Profit Well and Product Habits present Trade-Offs, where product leaders Patrick Campbell and Heaton Shaw join go-to-market and product forces to uncover the biggest trade-offs of industry players like Netflix, Evernote, Spotify, Black, Kanye West. With data... Wow. This is huge. 86%. 86% said yes. With insight. As a product manager, if I have this data and I have this information now, what are your business constraints? All the streaming services, they have this licensing issue. A show for product people about the products you know and the insights you don't. And that's it for your January 16th episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow for more and don't hesitate to reach out to me at abby at recurnow.com if you have news to spread or input on any topic we hit. 